Hi, I'm Otto. Welcome to Ellen Sarah's podcast. Um, okay, we are going to introduce you to this episode, with it, which is with Whitney Wolf. She Whitney gave, Wolf Heard. Whitney Wolf Heard. Sorry, respect. We knew her when we met her. She was Whitney Wolf. Now yeah. she's Whitney Wolf Heard. She pretty much gave us our lives. I mean, she changed our life. For she changed sure. our life. And she's also just, her story is, is it, it's so impressive it's, it's what motivating. she has done. This she's Is she 33? I can't even talk about her age. It's okay. Disgusting. She is... The ultimate, she's the CEO of a public company. Well, first of all, she founded Bumble. Yeah. She also co-founded Tinder. This is a serial entrepreneur mm-hmm. who and continues to just win. My favorite thing about working with Whitney is that there are certain people that when they function at a super high level, you feel like you have nothing in common with them. Like they're like, I just, I wake up at five right, in the like morning. So out of your I league. go for a run. And that like they do, everything that they do is like just not attainable for you. And Whitney has always been to me a very like normal, real person yeah. that has, that admits to doubting herself that, you know, messes up or like is admits her flaws. She doesn't feel like this like super type A person that I can't relate to. She's like, a normal person that happens to have done all these really successful things. I feel like for me, the thing that I always said is she empowered every woman around her. She, I'd mm-hmm. introduce her to like a friend of mine, you know, who let's say was in events and Whitney would be like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. I'm going to have you do all my events. Like yeah. just whoever it was. She's when never it, competitive. With never anyone. competitive. She'd meet you. And especially with women, she's just like, I have a place for you. I'll find something mm-hmm. for you. Always thinking about how to empower. Yeah. And it's real. Like I think She's a lot really of- really championed us in a very yes. supportive way. And a lot of CEOs, I think, say that when they're doing interviews with that, that that's the type of person they are. But she really you know is call that, that type of person. She walks the walk. She walks the walk. All right, let's listen to This is to a great episode. episode. Okay, guys. I just want to say that anybody can go on YouTube- and hear Whitney talk on, you know, fucking CNBC, Squawk Alley, Barbara Walters, Oprah, I don't know, all the interviews you've done. This is going to be different. Oh, I'm ready. Okay, we just want to know what kind of moisturizer you use, how (laughs) you manifested those billions. Like, speak for yourself. I don't care about your moisturizer. I do want to know about how you manifested billions, though. (laughs) No, but I just think, like, this is a different... And this isn't even an interview because as you know, and you've listened to the podcast and you know us so well, we are not professional interviewers. We didn't even prepare for this. Okay. We don't prepare. Um, and we do a little bit. That's why you're so good at everything you guys do. Well, I want to say something. Okay. Sarah, take a break. Okay. I want to say something. So we started working with Whitney in 2017 and we're going to go into how that all happened. Um, I can't tell you how many founders, female founders that we've met who clearly are not thinking or focused on their business. They are focused on being Whitney Wolf. They are focused on their herd. Whitney Wolf herd. They're they're focused on their (laughs) Forbes cover. They're they're thinking about their Forbes cover before they're thinking about the actual growth of the company. Before the company has launched, they're thinking about their Forbes cover. Not all of them. That's not. You can't generalize. We've met a lot of founders who have this idea in their mind of what Whitney has accomplished. And we know firsthand how she accomplished it and how you were never thinking about or focused on the Forbes cover and were actually focused on the business, which is how you ended up having the success that you've had. So I am very proud to know you from the inside of how your brain works and how different you are because you're not looking for 
Whitney to be the brand. You actually believe in the mission of the brand, which then puts a spotlight on you that you aren't asking for. While all these other founders are trying to get the spotlight on them when they haven't even built their business yet. And so, you know, we're not going to try to create the how how I built this podcast that you did an episode of, but it was amazing. So I don't want to re be redundant with it, but I do want to get into your mind a little bit of like how it all happened because it's very different than than we have witnessed with some founders. True. Thank you. That I'm, I'm going to take that as a compliment. And I will say that the easiest way to make your business not succeed is to put yourself first. It's the easiest way. Like if you want your business to fail, just start thinking about yourself. hundred percent. You just, it's the only way to make, first of all, I don't even know. I, I had no professional training in any of this. I still, to this day, I have no professional training, Right. I'm lucky I got through college. I think they only claim me now. I don't think they really wanted to claim me at the time. But the reality is if you just really do care about what you're doing and you believe it, it's not care. There's a difference between care and believe it. You know, I, I genuinely, maybe to a delusional standpoint, believe in what we're doing. I believe it is contributing positivity and love to the world. And I think without that, you've got really nothing. And I don't know of another way to have that type of output. So I just put my entire soul into this. Good, bad, ugly, sad, happy, whatever it is. And I just show up authentically and care about it. And those are the only two things I know how to do. I do not have any like success skills or tips to share because Really, you have to just believe it. And that has to be genuine. You know, you can't engineer that. I've had so many people be like, I really want to start a business. I want to make money. So um, how do I like build a business to make money? I'm like, well, what do you hate in the world? What pisses you off? Like, what do you want to solve? And so many folks just can't really answer that. And so I tell everyone, start with what breaks your heart. Just start there. It could be an illness that has taken someone you care about. It could be something that has shattered your soul. And for me, it was toxic relationships. My first boyfriend was, it, it, it was, it was devastating. And ever since then, I was just like, I will find a way to fix that. I want to, okay. That's very powerful. I want to take us back to, and, and you tell me where, what I'm allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say, but I want to. I want to take, go back to, you know, we have a really big female audience and as women in business, it can be very scary and intimidating to go up against guys who don't want us to succeed and who, um, who punish us for the same things that they get away with. So your business was born out of what you wanted to see more of because you left a bad situation. Now, can I, can I bring up Tinder? You can, but I think it's actually not even the Tinder thing, Erin. I think it's actually, I was so disturbed by the way guys, and you know a lot of these people, you know a lot of them both anecdotally and also like firsthand. I was so tired of being a young woman, listening to guys talk about women in the most degrading derogatory way but then they'd get to go slap hands for going home with someone after the first night of meeting them. And the woman would be left the next morning feeling so bad about herself. She would have been called a hundred names. She would have been shaming herself into oblivion. It's like, this is so 
backwards. This is so toxic. This is so wrong. How did we get here? And even sending the first message, a text, or approaching someone at a bar, we're talking about heterosexual relationships, which was what I was exposed to in the majority at the time when I was 20, you know, in my early, early 20s. And I just couldn't understand. I was like, this is so backwards. But what's interesting, Erin, to where you were about to go, I think if we're women and we're not allowed to go first in our dating lives, how are you ever going to be seen as an equal outside of dating? How are you ever going to be seen as an equal in the boardroom? If you even make it to a boardroom, how are you ever even going to get to a boardroom, right? And so this is where I think my genuine disdain for watching all my friends and all my friends of my friends just suffer at the hands of dating. It was like so unfair and we all just accepted it and we all just participated in it, right? We just... We did call those girls names because we were scared of getting called names ourselves. Oh yeah, she is a whatever. Deep down, we're like, oh no, please don't say that about me. Please don't say that about me, right? And so that was kind of that paradigm shift I wanted to fix. And then the other stuff was really kind of just layered on top of that, right? So, so many people, to your point, this is not how I built this. So many people get anchored on this like founding story and she was here and then she was there. But no, no, there's like such a backdrop here that's so deeper and more layered than that. I remember being in college crying on a Saturday morning because I had text some guy I thought was cute. And my friends were like, you can't do that. He's going to think you're desperate. He thinks you're crazy. We all lived like this. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But we, but, but they were right. That's the problem is that there was a dynamic in place where it was really okay for a guy to bait you into a relationship, to tell you that you're his world, that he's obsessed with you, that he's never felt this way before, and then make fun of you for believing it and thinking that you are his girlfriend. And I I ask Simon about this all the time because I'm so fascinated by the male brain because good guys did this, right? Like guys that aren't like pieces of shit would do this because it was sort of just normalized. And the point I'm trying to make that I'm so fascinated by is that you were in a situation where you had guys that were important to you, laughing at you, making fun of you, calling you crazy, different names, saying you're going to fail, thinking it's ridiculous for you to go up against the largest dating app in the world. You could have gone into a different category, knowing you're going up against people who want you to fail. As a woman, putting myself in that position, anytime I've ever felt that there are a group of guys who are doubting me and like, don't want me there, don't want me in the group, don't don't believe in me or making fun of me behind my back, I want to hide. I'm like mortified by that. It's terrifying. And instead of that, you actually were like, okay, well, I'll just prove it. You stepped literally into the exact same territory that you were, that these guys were in and put yourself out there in a vulnerable way to, to, to potentially fail. That is what I'm like blown away by. But I have to say, it wasn't like I showed up with boxing gloves on and was like, you know, bring it. I was so upset and depressed and anxious and paranoid for years building Bumble. Years. I hid. I actually think the first like party I went to as a founder was with the two of you. Because you were like, get out of the house. And I was like, no, I'm on my laptop. I, I literally was like insular and hiding and terrified for years. So I did it, but I was scared. And I did it, but I was scared. And I just kept showing up scared. 
but I kept showing up, but I stayed scared. And I think that was where like it breaks open eventually. Do you think we have to give, I love that you said, this is not how I built this. Cause that's such a good point. We do not want it to feel like this. Cause anyone can go listen to that fantastic podcast and hear all about how you built Bumble and all those things. Should we give people just like the really short, uh, synopsis of just sort of your trajectory. Like, I think a lot of people don't even realize, I really don't think a lot of people realize that you were a co-founder at Tinder and then you went on to build Bumble. Like, I don't even know that a lot of people listening to this will even know that. But it's an important fact to know that, and I don't know what I'm allowed to say, you just tell me, is that your other co-founders wanted to strip you of the co-founder status. That to me is an important detail. As a woman, I think every woman listening knows what it feels like on a smaller scale, most likely, of what it feels like to have the work you put into something be minimized. And because you're a woman, you aren't going to get that title. And instead of letting that happen, you fought for your title and you won. Well, the thing about a title is a title is different from a fact. Me being a co-founder of Tinder is a fact. And the fact that it got weaponized against me as a title Mm -hmm. that could be given or taken back, depending on the mood of someone, was really what highlights the problem in society with women. If you look at the way Mrs. and wife has been like weaponized against women, it's so interesting. It's like women live in these fear-based relationships. The fact of the matter was that men historically have held the power. And they have seen their power as a function to remove the power at their desire from women. And I think you see this with finances a lot. I'm sure you have friends like this. I know I have too many friends like this. I know I know too many people in my direct orbit um, that have stayed in toxic relationships because they're scared of what happens to them if they leave. This is such a theme that starts in dating. And that was really what kind of inspired the whole women go first on Bumble thing was like, if we can't change who talks first, how do we change any of this? Like, how do we fix the work situation or the the marriage down the road or whatever it is? And I don't know, it's just, people think this is an archaic topic, but it's not. I mean, if I were to think of 10 friends on two hands, at least four or five of them are in bad relationships right now. Hmm. It's super normal. It's amazing to hear that you were crying in college on a Saturday morning because you were embarrassed that you texted a guy first and that that might make you seem desperate. And so instead of building an app that helps you make sure you never send the first text and never look desperate, you built a $3 billion company based on the idea that a woman has to text first so that you normalize it so that there's not going to be more girls sitting there on a Saturday morning in college this year crying because they texted the guy first and that they might seem desperate. You took the air out of the thing that crippled you. I also think it's worth more than that. And that comes back to what we just talked about at the beginning of this. Figure out what cripples you, what breaks your heart, what scares you, what feels truly wrong. It could be as simple as, I hate that I'm crying on a Saturday morning because I sent a guy a text. I mean, let's be honest, if there was no Bumble, it kind of sounds like a silly, trivial, trivial idea. You're like, okay, really? But look what it's turned into. And so that should be a message to anyone out there. Like, you could not like the way your bagel tastes. I don't care what it is. Like there is a business and there is a chance to create change in virtually anything that bothers you. Because if it bothers you, chances are it bothers someone else. 
And that was the way I looked at it. And that's candidly, I'm eight years into this thing. And that's still the way I run this business every day. No, you guys have totally like switched, switched a narrative. Like you guys, I mean, as like the mom of two girls, a 12 and seven year old, I got to be honest. Like I'm just being honest when before Bumble, before I knew you, I don't think I was instilling in, in Valentina this idea. Cause you know, she's 12 of like, if you like a boy, like you tell him and you, you, you blah, blah, blah. Like, I really don't think that that was sort of my mindset when we're I, all scared of the patriarchy. Yes, we're like, we course. don't want her to look desperate. And I swear to we God, don't be judged. we don't want to be judged and we want to be accepted. That's I have literally taken this, this, whatever I've done now, Valentina recently got, got like shamed at school because I mean, this isn't something actually to be proud of, but she is so like women making the first move. She wanted the phone number so bad of this boy that she liked that she went to another friend and said, I will pay you to get me that <laughs> phone number. A little desperate, a little annoying, <laughs> but let me tell you something. I have two girls who are like, <laughs> they are all about making the first move. That's really funny. Like, it's just so, but this is new. Did she get this, in trouble at school for doing this? Yeah, like they found out and they're mm. like, you're like paying people. But yeah. I was proud. I was <laughs> like, I love it. Real entrepreneur over here. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a business in that. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I got to think about it. For a She's going to create like a database of guys' phone numbers that you can pay to get. Correct. But, but listen, this, you know, everything touches each point we're making, which is that when you say you weren't having those conversations with your Never. daughter. Never. Okay, so... I would say that you, Sarah, working for Bumble and working for Whitney changed your perspective about yourself in the world and in business. And it gave you confidence that now you transition to your daughters because it was the first time in a long time that you were, you felt really empowered in business and were like really proud of what you were associated with and what you were doing. And it changed your confidence. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think we can like now pivot a little bit to our relationship. I mean, for me, what the opportunity, and I said this on my post, the opportunity that you gave us was like life-changing. I mean, it sent us down a completely different path in our lives that when you, when we met and when we were offered the opportunity from you, everyone told A, you were crazy and B, we were crazy. People looked at us and they were like, wait, you're going to go work for a tech company, like you guys are writers, you're actresses, like you won't be taken seriously then. You're gonna go like to an audition to try to be an actress, but yet you like work for Bumble. Like that's just so weird, why would you do that? And then people said to you, are you okay? Like these fucking girls, they don't know anything. Like why would you, why would you hire them, right? And what's so interesting is it's just such in the spirit of how you do things because now every entrepreneur, every founder is going to talent to help them market their companies, right? Like this is just normalized now. Actresses are like, they want that job instead of the movie role. And you were fully ahead of the curve in that. And when people were telling you what a stupid thing that was that you did, you were like, well, I think it might work. I think it's interesting. So let's talk about it. Look, I, I have to say, I don't think either of you give yourselves enough credit because forget like, oh, we were an actress or we were this. You two are so incredibly creative, dynamic, brilliant, and close to the customer, like your ability, I mean, here we are in your podcast, your ability to connect with people and to make people feel like they're in the room with you and that they're a sister sitting on the couch with you. Like that is a superpower. That is literally a superpower. There's, there's very few people that I've ever met that have that superpower. And so the moment I was able to hang out with the two of you, 
I just, within 30 seconds was like, I just need to go deeper with both of them. Like they need to be in this orbit and we need to do more because I saw the way you connected with those women at the hive in New York and it was magic. So you too had the magic in you all along to be in consumer facing tech because Consumer-facing tech is all about what I just said, the two of you know how to do it. You know what the trick is? Like most of the tech people don't have that skill. Nine out of 10 tech people I've met do not have that deep um, talent skill. It's it's honestly a, um, it's a superpower, right? And a handful of people I've met in my life have it. And two of you are, two of you are, you know, two of those very few people. So I don't think you guys give yourself enough credit. And I do think that our partnership, um, you said very kind words on your post. And and I've got to say, like, I feel the same way about you because being in the tech space and being head down, like you said, Aaron, like I was just so obsessed with building the business. I wasn't exposed to so many of the worlds you're in. So I think we were one of those beautiful relationships and we still are where I would say it was like an equal partnership. Like we were a bumble couple because- Neither one of us was doing more than the other. And we really enhanced each other. It wasn't like 50%, 50%. It was like, you guys came as a full. I showed up as a full and we were like a superpower together. And so that's how I felt about our relationship. And I've learned a lot from both of you, like a ton. And I've really loved watching you two blossom into these new industries. I think um, founders admire you so much and they respect you and I don't know. I just, I think you guys are amazing. And I, I really genuinely beyond the professional stuff, like I just, I love the friendship and I kind of feel like I'm part of the, you know, by proxy, like I kind of get to be part of this fun sisterhood. Well, I mean, it's really more than that, actually. Like, like I operated always from a place of no, like I always operated in my life totally out of fear, out of like, oh, they'll find out. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this because I'll fail. I'll get fired. All this, all that. Like I never operated from a place of yes. And Bumble was the first time where I was like, oh my God, like this is such an unbelievable opportunity. Like I have to do it, even though I'm so scared that they're going to be like, mm-hmm. well, I think you kind of were like, we can't say yes. We can't say yeah, yes. I was like, we oh my know. God. I was like, she's going to hate us. Like we're not going to be able to. And I was to- like, shut up, Sarah. We're saying yes. No, I wanted to say yes. I was but you were scared. Scared. But you were scared. I was just scared. I was just nervous. But that- I think it's like, that's when, when you, you yourself, Whitney, making the choices to go into what you are afraid of and walk towards it. Yes. You're able to then help other women do the same thing. Exactly. And at the end of the day, Bumble, you know, once the the girl initiates the conversation, it's just a dating app, right? The real change in Bumble, the real difference in Bumble is the message behind it. It's the empowerment that comes with making the first move. It's, it's a whole brand that you've created that like we had those sweatshirts that you guys had made. I mean, you guys have the most genius co- copywriting on the planet earth. Um, so we had this sweatshirt that you guys had come up with this term, which was be the CEO that your parents told you to marry. So good. And it's so fucking smart because we are raised as women of like, what kind of guy do you want to marry? Marry a doctor, marry a lawyer, marry a CEO, marry someone rich. But it's like, well, why don't you just be that person, be the person. And then everything else. And you can also marry another CEO when you're a CEO. Like there's no reason. Or just marry who you want to marry. Like who cares, right? Be the thing that you're, you're aspiring to have in your life. And it's such, 
it's that message that you really wholeheartedly believe that that transcends a dating app and really just makes women feel differently about themselves yeah. and their own potential. But, but I believe it because I've been on the other side of it. Yes. And that's what I think is part of y'all's superhero abilities is like, you can speak to things authentically because you've lived experiences authentically. For me, I know what it feels like. And this is like hard to admit, but I think this is a safe space and I'm I'm just a very transparent person. I know what it feels like to be so scared of the cool guys judging me and calling me names that I literally participated in them talking poorly about other women. Out of fear. I just didn't want to be shamed. I didn't want to be not accepted. And so many of us struggle with these like deep issues around validation and not feeling like enough or not feeling worthy enough or pretty enough or whatever society has put on us as the markers of approval. You know, are you, do you fit in this way? Do you fit in that way? And I think I grew up in an environment where it's funny at, at face value, you'd probably be like, of course you fit in. But I grew up in such a unique environment where I was raised in Mormon, Utah with a very Jewish father and a Catholic mother. So I never fit in anywhere. And I was either mocked for being Jewish or mocked for not being Catholic enough or mocked for not being Mormon. And so I was always in these environments where I was not enough. I was never holy enough or accepted. And so the the male thing, when I was faced with this feeling of, oh no, they're going to reject me or, oh no, they're not going to like me or, oh no, I better fit into this conformed space of what they they think is right. You know, you morph into um, a shell of who you really are and you turn into this ex expectation of what, you know, society wants you to be. And so because I have those lived experiences, I know how to crusade for the opposite of it, but still being mindful that so many people out there are still living this all day, every day. They're scared. Like, they actually don't want to make the first move. What are we going to say? Am I going to be judged? Are they going to think this? Are they going to think that? So I'm along the journey with our customer holding their hand behind the scenes. Like, how do we actually meet people where they are? Not where I am today after however many years, you know? And it's a, it's a crazy thing. And honestly, Bumble is a long way to go. And I have to be the first person to admit this. Like, make the first move, women going first. That was very 2014. Okay. And the gender conversation and the conversation around sexuality and the conversation around so much of this has just absolutely evolved. And I think where I'm at as both a leader of the business, but also as a woman is like, womanhood is not just the Whitney at 25 years old. Like that is an outdated way to think about things. And so now it's all about really evolving our thinking. And it's like, what's the evolution of make the first move? And how do we actually take this mission of a better, safer, kinder experience and engineer it into every corner of our technology and actually go after bigger things like online bullying, harassment, toxicity? Like, how do we go beyond like, oh, I can't send the first message to like, I don't want to be literally abused on the internet. And you've got young daughters. It's a dangerous zone right now. We are living in a wild, scary digital time. So I think that's the next horizon for us is like, 
it's so much bigger than gender. And I it's just so see much Bumble than- like so much more. It's like, it's a movement. It's like so much more than a dating app. Like I see Bumble and we've always said this, it is the ultimate, it's connecting you to living your best self. So I see you guys connecting people even outside of finding their match of a friend yeah. and a lover and a whatever. Like you guys just, you symbol like, I, I think it's just, you're just at the, at the tip of what well, you guys actually are capable of. You have this database of women who want to live up to their best self. That's why they're on the app in the first place, or they could be on one of these other, like, you know, dating platforms that, that, that don't stand for anything other than just like hooking up or whatever. So, well, it's kind of like the legislation that you were able to pass yeah. in Texas. Is it only in Texas or is it nationwide? No, now it's a law in California and other states too. Okay, so you went ahead and took, you know, the internet is sort of a lawless land. And yeah. we all as women know what it feels like to have a guy send us a dick pic that is unwarranted. And let Ooh. me just be clear. I, I think they're all unwarranted. Okay, I don't know uh, any... No one likes those. Just I've never... Yeah, I've never <laughs> met a woman that's like, send me a picture of your dick. That's By what way, I want to say. Like Tom Brady's dick. Never. I don't want to see any. No I don't want to see. Wants to see it. No, I, we do not want to see dick. No pics. matter and who it, you are, and it does feel like a violation when you when you're staring at someone's fucking scrotum, and, and you didn't want to. You know that feels like an invasion of feels your. Feels like it is. It is because now you have to see it and you can't unsee it, and it's like it's there, and that person made the decision for you, and it feels like a violation. But as women, we are so comfortable being violated. We are so yeah. used to it that it doesn't occur to us that that person could be punished for it. The same way that fifty years ago, it was completely normalized to have your boss hit on you and sexualize yeah. you. And you were in, instead of that person being told to stop doing it, you were told, you were told to how to prude, get, by no, the way, like, no, oh, you're so prude. You were like, taught eh. how to get around it. Okay. Make sure you always have somebody with you and make sure you always have plans right after work and, and let them know you have a boyfriend. You had to come up with tools to avoid it because that person was never going to be punished. Well, today mm-hmm. that person is being punished. And so mm-hmm. you looked at this thing that was happening on the internet and it didn't occur to anyone to cr- bring the law into it because the internet's very challenging to, you know, uh, moderate, but you pushed forward and I'm sure you had fears of like, are people going to think this is stupid? Is this going to seem silly? Can Bumble pass legislation? We're going into a different avenue here. Like, are people going to accept it? What if we don't get it passed and people see that we failed? Like those are all things that would have maybe made me shut down and not do it. Yeah, no. And I have to say that after the Tinder media fallout, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. But in hindsight, it was maybe like the best band-aid of fear that could ever be ripped off. Like I was bare naked on the stage. Like there was nothing else to see. And because of that, it was almost like I, I was at such the bottom of my barrel. Everyone was mocking me. Groups of friends didn't want to associate with me. All these like cool kids were unfollowing me on Instagram, which I know that sounds trivial, but when you're 24, that hurts. That's not trivial. Uh, It hurts today being unfollowed. It hurts. And so I think what happened after that, I was like, what do I have to lose? Like, who cares what they've already laughed at me. They've already called me names. They've already said she's a this, that, this, this, and that. They've already uninvited me to things. Like I was already with the scarlet letter. So it's a blessing 
that that happened at 24 years old. Here's the difference though. It could have taken me down. I could have turned to the dark side. I could have let it ruin my life and I could have gone a very different path. Or I could have realized, all right, is that that? That's it? All right, fell off the wall, get back up, right? Like we fell off our horse. Yeah, it hurt. Yeah, it knocked me out. Yeah, it was scary as hell. But like, really? Am I never going to ride again? And I just decided just get back up. And so when it came to things like starting a dating app where women go first and the whole internet laughed at me, or when it came to, um, you know, introducing legislation or whatever it was where the whole internet laughed at me, it's like, all right, laugh at me, watch me, like, LOL, you know, and just carry on. That's so good. Laugh at me, watch me. I don't know. It's so no, it's like, just carry on, like whatever. Heck yeah. Modern fertility. <laughs> sounds like a commercial. Well, it is a commercial. It's an ad. Oh, right. right, right. <laughs> but it sounds like you're on like a 2 a.m. ad. No. Modern fertility. Well, we all need to get modern about our fertility. Well, that is a fact. Time's a change in. I mean, listen, I'm really glad I didn't get pregnant with like whoever I was dating when I was 26. No, but if you hadn't known what you were working with when you were 26, you would have planned differently. That is also we all, a fact. We, we all would have. So um, we love modern fertility. It, is, it gives you options. It gives you options. For a far smaller bill than it would take to I go to the fertility say, doctor. Like, we're raised always how to like prevent pregnancy, but what about to plan for it? Yeah. And I've said this a million times before, but most women wait until there's a problem to check on their fertility. And if you check before that, then you have a lot of options. But if you check, you know, once you already are having a diminished reserve, um, it's really hard to catch back up. And so you don't want to wait. You want to take the first opportunity you can to just check and see what you're working with. Oh, this is a test, by the way. To be clear, guys, this is a test. You don't have to go to a doctor. It's way more affordable. You can get all the info you need at home, mm -hmm. in the privacy of your own home. You take the test, very easy test. Send it in. You get all the answers exactly. shortly after. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash foster. That means your test will cost $159, which is a fraction of what it would cost at a fertility clinic. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash foster. Modernfertility.com slash foster. Oh, just seeing Bowl and Branch, it's just, I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. It's rainy outside. Tired. I'm about to talk to you guys about my bed linens, the most comfortable linens I've ever had, mm -hmm. my pillow inserts. By the, the way, Not Skinny But Not Fat's been, been promoting uh, Bowl and Branch also. She has? Yeah. I love that for us. I know. We're in good company. They are 100% organic sheets and bedding. They are the softest you've ever felt. It is quality that you've, like, you can tell you are... Sleeping but do you think on the people good stuff. realize at this point how important it really is to sleep in 100% organic? I think people might be listening to this going, does it matter? Yes. The answer is yes. Everything matters. Everything matters. Start taking every little step you can to live that cleaner lifestyle. Mm -hmm. A lot of shit's coming out, guys. A lot of stuff is coming A out. A lot of about stuff. About the chemicals in our clothing and our bedding, all the things. It's like you mm -hmm. have to know about it. Yeah. And this is uh, Bull and Branch. They are designed without toxins, free from pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. 
This is the only way to sleep. So make the most of bedtime with Bowl & Branch sheets. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code FOSTER15 at bowlandbranch.com. That is B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code FOSTER15. Sarah and I felt you know, insecure when we started working for Bumble because we never... Everybody had something to say. Everybody had something to say. And we felt like we were getting made fun of for attempting to do something that we had not no business doing, but like we didn't have experience in. All of a sudden our friends are like, oh, I'm sorry, you're now like in tech. Since when are you in tech? Like Sarah and I didn't go to college. And I think some of our friends or people that we met in the world or whoever it was who had a college degree and had experience and maybe they hadn't made it in those avenues. They laughed at us for thinking that all of a sudden we're in tech or we now work for Bumble. And we felt sort of laughed at in a way of like, you know, I, I hate using the word jealousy because I think it's really tacky when someone decides that other people are jealous of them. I just don't like that when women do that. But it felt like, oh, you guys are really lucky. You're really lucky that this opportunity came to you and you're getting an opportunity that's really cool. So we're going to make you feel stupid about no, it. But so it, that we can... People didn't even... No, but people in those avenues at that time were not looking at tech even really as cool. It was like, well, what is yeah, this was, that you're doing? It was what? like, it was like cringy still at that point. It was like, it wasn't that it was cringy. It was just like, wait, aren't you going to write like a third season of your show? Like, don't you want to like, what it just, it just, people didn't get it. I don't think tech had had its moment yet. No, mm-hmm. no. I mean, when we started working together, I think tech was definitely not the shiniest object yet. Yeah. And it's not like we hadn't seen like, I mean, Jessica, not like we're comparing ourselves to Jessica Alba. I mean, she's a huge star, but of course she was doing honest and Kate was doing fabletics. Of course, we're not trying to say like, oh, we were the first mm-hmm. quote unquote talent that but got neither of those are tech brands really, you know, so they are different. Exactly. And and we weren't founders, yeah, even though you love even th- and they founded the brand. Right. We were just employees like we were literally employees. You like you hired us to do a job. But the greatest thing about you and it's just so indicative of all of this You love passing batons to women. You love giving microphones to other women. You, like a lot of the time we see CEOs and founders giving interviews, right? Like we, I see it all the time where I'm like, I just saw that interview. That is total bullshit. You're not like that in your real life. Like you haven't treated me like that. That's a fucking lie. We all see that, right? You give your interviews, you say all the things you do. And that is truly how you are living your life. Our experience with you, you always wanted us to shine. Always, no matter what it was, you would get opportunities for you and you'd be like, let's include Sarah and Aaron or, you know what, why don't we have Sarah and Aaron do that? Like, I'm happy just, I'm going to stay in Austin and like be with Michael and do whatever the fuck we're doing and (laughs) let Aaron and Sarah go do it. Like, it's very rare to find a woman as young as yourself Mm -hmm. or at all or at all in your position to be like giving those opportunities to other women. I'm sorry to say it's getting better, Mm -hmm. but it is still more rare. No, of course it is. But it, it also, what I was just going to finish that thought about feeling embarrassed to embrace something that was exciting and cool and different for us because we felt that, you know, it's not like you're getting laughed at for having a really cool opportunity, but it's kind of being laughed at that we think that we should be able to, or that we think that we should have that opportunity. And, and, and we felt sort of in, insecure about that. And then it's all those same people bubble starts getting 
more and more successful, bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're still there and it's bigger and bigger. And all those people start changing their narrative. All of a sudden they're like, they want to get invited to the party. Exactly. Hey, can you um, put me on with Whitney? Because I really want her to invest in this thing. Hey, can you put me on with Whitney? Because I have an idea. Somebody asked me if I could intro. Hey, do you, Oh, are you guys... The, oh, the IPO's happening. This is crazy. Oh my God, it's doing so well. Whitney's the like, best. Remember when we invited you to the Hive three years ago and you were like, you uh, said, no? no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it's... I, I do have to credit the two of you for something else really quick. I think you are giving Bumble too much credit at the point you guys joined. Like, you took a chance on us more than we took a chance on you. So like... We were not, I don't think we were cool at all. I don't think it was a cool opportunity yet. So you're kind of over, so I think you're seeing it as people thought you weren't qualified to do it. I actually see it differently. I think people looked at both of you as these like beautiful, hilarious, witty, smart, kind of like movers and shapers, masters of the universe, can be anywhere, can do anything, can sit at any table why would you want to go and get involved with this like girl first dating app thing, right? This smaller, lesser Tinder, whatever it was. Smaller $500 million company. (laughs) Well, but you know, it was small at the time. And I, I do think like this is also why people should have so much conviction in the two of you to invest and to identify opportunities when they're maybe not well known to everyone else. Like you guys have good instinct and no one forced you to do the Bumble thing, right? Like, of course, I was like, let's do it. I presented something to you. But it took both of you, we've now learned the real story. Aaron said yes. It took both of you, though, to show up. And I do think if you had asked 20 of those friends that kind of balked at you when you did it, had they wanted to join Bumble at the time, they would have said no. And so, you know, kudos to the two of you for kind of seeing down the road and being able to see the forest through the trees. Thank you. But whatever it was, it was a lesson. And it was one of those moments in a much smaller, on a much smaller scale that you experienced, which is having the, um, like bravery to move forward in something that you weren't sure about that you didn't necessarily have support around you, whether it came from envy or it came from judgment or wherever it came from you know, it's still scary and it's uncomfortable to do. And it's a lesson, not, not because it succeeded, because the truth is you have to be willing to do that, whether it's going to succeed or not, you have to be willing to do it. If, even if it does fail, the the lesson is still do it anyway, because the, the important thing is putting yourself out there. You'll never know unless you try it. And, and I remember you, uh, we came to Aspen to have a conversation with you, Whitney, and I don't remember like the details of it, but it was something like we were having not conflict, but we were having like a tough conversation and we were seeing these, seeing something differently. And I remember, cause I, I bring this up a lot whenever I'm having conflict in my life is that you said, listen, there is no one truth here. You're sitting here and you're looking at the window behind me. You so always use this. I always use this cause it really like brought it to me. You gave me this really good perspective. You were like, we're having the same conversation, but you're sitting on the floor looking at me with the window behind me and having a very different experience than I am having. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the front door and you sitting on the floor and the, and the sun behind me. So 
if we retell the story, it's going to be different no matter what. There is no one truth. There's your experience and my experience. And we both have to validate each other's experiences and both know that they're going to be different. And no one's lying and no one's betraying the other one. But like I had one experience and you had a different experience. And every moment of our life is going to be like that. And it's, you do not credit Whitney all the time when you're giving this. She she uses this true. she uses this a lot in meetings. And well, now we she have it on hers. record. That's, yeah, that's not true. I always say that yeah, she told me that. Maybe I say someone. Aaron's like, all right, Jack. I you are looking at me. No, right now. Uh, no, someone someone wise once it's said. It's okay. To me, I don't want the credit for it. It's yours, Aaron. No, but it. it but it it someone did remind. It really did remind me. I mean, it it it, it really woke me up in that moment because it was so many years ago that I still think about it that it's true. You know, your, your experience is not the other person's experience. And so you, you have and I've had to learn that with each other. I mean, very it, much so, very much so, very <laughs> much so. So you have a lot of wisdom to share Whitney and we're, I don't want this podcast to just be us like spilling smoke up each other's asses, but, but it's awesome. I mean, I really do mean this. I mean, I would say this podcast, no podcast. I've said it to you guys before. No, so it's I mean, true. Yeah. It's true. Well, why don't we take well, you? We have fun. We've we had a lot of fun. fun. Well, let me just way. also, let me be clear is that Whitney in, in another you know, area of, um, of like confidence, you know, Whitney always allowed us to be exactly who we are yes. in the way that we delivered content for Bumble or events. When we first met, Whitney had asked us to speak on a panel with her in New York city, which our producer, Allison was at that event to be clear randomly and met us. Um, so and I was in a bit of a more drinky phase of my life. Um, <laughs> oh my God, you were drunk. I was drunk at the panel. Yeah. I mean, I would say buzzed. I would Wait, say, really? Well, we had drinks before, what? Whitney. Oh, so then we all were then. Except for <laughs> we had drinks before to get to know each other. And I, at the time, was in a deeply unhealthy relationship with someone that was a partier. So I was like, you know, trying to keep up. And I was like really, really skinny at the time because I was on some like psychotic, like medical diet that I couldn't eat anything except for alcohol. So oh, I remember that. Yeah. I, was I couldn't eat anything. <laughs> so I was just real thin. And I could get drunk really easily. And I had a glass of rosé with you before and I got on the panel and I was just letting it rip. And well, it clearly worked. You really connected to the ladies. But it really was cool because Whitney was never like, okay, here's the way you are. Once you become a heart of Bumble, you yeah. have to speak this way or that way. It was like, be exactly who you are and say whatever you say and just be yourselves. You never edited us. And, um, you know, I almost got canceled at some point during our working relationship. And <laughs> you, you politely, this. you politely were like, mm, maybe just like an apology would help. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know what it's about now. Wow. <laughs> And the this, is the before the this, yeah. is, this is before, before the IPO. This is before the IPO. But I remember being like, shit, I finally got there. I finally did the one thing that might fuck things up with between us and Whitney. But you were very cool about it. You weren't like, you know, panicking. You were just like, mm, just smooth it over. And so I did. Uh, the only reason why I apologized for my was literally for Whitney. For Whitney. My only, because I was like, I wanted to be like, Fuck all you sensitive people. Get over yourselves. And instead I was like, mm, I'm going to apologize for Whitney. Hilarious. Well, that's the power of a regulated business for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I need some Osea right now. I'm feeling dry. Mm -hmm. And right when you put that stuff on, it's just like your skin comes back to life. Mm -hmm. It's like a drink of water. I just recommended Osea to someone that I ran into at the airport who was saying how dry she felt recommended the cream that I use. You're just like striking up conversations at the airport. Oh, it was with a friend. Oh, 
Oh, you had to um, run in with a friend? Run in with a friend at the that airport. That never happens to me. And I told her to use the moisturizer that I love and the anti-aging hand cream. You're obsessed with the hand cream. I love my hands. I hate my hands feeling dry. I'm not really into hand cream. I don't care about hand cream, even though nobody wants old hands, but I don't care about hand cream. I just care about um, that ultra-rich moisturizer. It is... It, it, I can't even... You put it on and you just watch yourself go from dull to... Bright? Oh, I wanted. To, I was trying to find a word that rhymed. Mm, dull to dull to full. <laughs> <laughs> dull to full. That works. Dull to full. Yeah, saggy and dull to full. Also, they're TikTok famous for their Undaria algae body butter. It is next level. It's all clean. It's all vegan. It's all cruelty free. All climate neutral. All enriched with seaweed and made in California, so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. It is all clinically proven and consumer tested. It works. It's clean. So protect your skin from winter dryness with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount for our listeners. 10% off your first order site-wide with the code FIRST at OseaMalibu.com. You will get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use the code FIRST for 10% off. Okay, we're obsessed with rocket money. Obsessed. It is, again, I know I say it all the time, but this is a kind of invention where you go, why didn't I think of that? Why? Okay, well, why more didn't than, I think of more it? More than thinking of it, use it because it's genius. Because basically what it does is it helps you find mm-hmm. and cancel unwanted subscriptions. It also monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. So like recently my credit card got stolen, remember, that those veterinarian charges. So now I keep getting messages about all the um, subscriptions that aren't, go- their payments aren't going through. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm still subscribed to that. You know, it's shocking to me. Like, okay, I've had an iPhone for what, 10 years? The amount of things I have signed up for and you forget when something's $4.99 a year, you're kind of like, okay, you, you, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you forget about it, but that shit adds up. It It all adds up and they make it impossible for you to cancel. They make it impossible for you to even remember you had it. Even if you find it on your credit card bill, it's always like a different name than the actual app. So it's hard to then find. It's just they make it hard. And Rocket Money, it doesn't let you get away with it. So No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash foster. That is rocketmoney.com slash foster rocketmoney.com slash foster. A lot of people had we had great questions. So many questions. And we're going to try to give you the floor because Aaron and I love to talk, but um, we've let her talk a lot. Actually, I feel like we've done a good job. I love it. I'm having a blast. Okay, good. Okay, But wait, also, though, there's like some of this stuff I still want to get to. So we can do a few audience questions, but can we also get to like, you know, Okay, morning routine. Are you, is this your question? Does it mean skincare routine or just I want to know, and a lot of women, a lot of women are like, they want to know. Walk us through. Just tell us if you're like a five a.m. person because I can't hear that. Walk right us now. through the morning, like what time you wake up, and like walk are us. All through. All successful people, five a.m. wake her uppers. Yes. Um. No, I'm not waking up at five a.m. No, but you well, wake listen. up early. Come on. I went through a multi-year phase where. It's, by the way, this should not be glorified, and this is not something to be glamorized at all. I actually highly suggest nobody does this. I ran myself into the ground. Like, I don't even know if you two know this, but I got to a point where it really all culminated when I had my first child. 
I was so not okay. Like I was physically unwell. I was emotionally unwell. You almost died, I, didn't you? I mean, you yeah, like- I did almost die postpartum. Yeah, that was spooky. Um, but I um, I just think I was so addicted to proving that Bumble could work, and I was trying to survive. I was stuck in genuine genuine clinical fight or flight mode for years. I just, I was just trying to survive. I felt to the earlier parts of our conversation. Um, I think I was trying, and by the way, there might be some like deep, deep benefit to this for a business, but it comes at the expense of the human and the the person behind it. There might be some real um, science behind trying to prove yourself that makes a company successful because I was so desperate to prove that I wasn't all the things people had said about me and that I wasn't these deeply invalidated thoughts that people had either ingrained in me or, or, or made me feel throughout my life. This is even before my working career. I'm talking like childhood stuff. And it came at the expense of my human body well-being. I would work around the clock quite literally. Like there were years where I'd fall asleep with my laptop on my stomach and I would wake up at like two or three in the morning and then like do more emails and then like put my laptop a foot to my right on the bed and then sleep until five and then get up and go. And I would do this for years, years. And it was so unhealthy. It was so not right, but I was just only thinking about them. That was it. And it took the birth of my first son, extreme postpartum depression, extreme bodily shutdown, like really crazy blood pressure disorders that no one could figure out. Like it was chronic stress and it manifested in the physical and the mental and the spiritual. And um, I finally was like, I got to stop. I've got to stop. And so all these crazy things happened basically like, you know, all these signs my body was telling me and my mind was telling me. And I had to become very still during COVID and I had a few scenarios that were kind of like, I don't know, it's conversation for another time, like kind of spiritual, kind of woo woo stuff. And it shifted me and I just slowed down and I started paying attention to, um, I think I just started to acknowledge myself and all of this. Like you guys said it earlier, it was never about me. And some people want to like, I don't know. There, there are certain people that you have lumped me in with this like category of like women founders that want to do this or want to do that. But like, I truly have only ever wanted this business to succeed. And I came at at my expense. Sorry. I have one question. We can, because Allison just texted it. Um, Can you give us a glimpse into what some of the woo woo stuff was? I just had some things happen over the last few years. Like a few premonitions have happened. Like, you remember when my husband broke his back, when Michael broke his back? Yep. So Michael had this really devastating car accident, 9 a.m. on Thursday morning, driving to work. Two dogs ran across the highway. He slammed on his brakes and swerved to try to not hit the dogs. Went off this like steep freeway, like road, highway cliff thing into a tree in a old school um, Dodge, like a vintage Dodge car. 
and should be dead. Like, there's no reason why he's alive, like, considering the circumstances of the accident. And he had, like, a, he, a crazy doctor situation, right? Wasn't there? Yeah, they thought he would never walk again. Um, had a really gnarly back. So he broke, shattered his back. Had a really crazy back surgery. Long story short, ICU for a long time. Like, crazy healing process. Another back surgery. But I, um, I knew it was going to happen the night before. So I dreamt it. And I woke up at about 4.30 or 5 a.m. in sweat. And I called him like maybe 500 times, at least 50 times. And he wasn't answering because we weren't in the same city. And I just knew, I just was like, oh no, like Michael is going to die today at five in the morning. And it was just this like weird knowing. And the craziest thing about it was the night before, couldn't sleep. I turned on the TV. I'm not really a big TV person, Turned on the TV because I was like home alone. I was kind of scared. And um, there was this like weird infomercial about the power of positive thinking and all these people that had like been healed in accidents and like illnesses through like this positive mantra. And I just sat and watched it for like an hour in bed. And the next morning I called him a hundred times. He finally answered. He's like, what? What is going on? It's five in the morning. I was like, you're going to die today. (laughs) He was like no, what are you talking about? You're really really crazy. (laughs) I was supposed to fly to LA. And I said, I'm not going to LA. I'm coming home. I'm driving home. Cause I was in Austin. He was in a different part of Texas. And he's like, baby, like, I love you. You've got to, you got to take a chill pill. Like, I love you so much. Like you're fine. Go take a shower, get ready for work. Call me on your way to work. I got in the shower and I just was having like a full breakdown. I was like, I was like, I couldn't, get myself under control. So finally I got in the car and I called him and he didn't answer, which by the way, like people don't answer the phone. Michael, you know, Sarah, you, like he doesn't know where his no. phone is. I think he's on like an iPhone six. I've called he him doesn't... five times today. I mean, no answer. <laughs> it's like crazy. So the point is I called him and I just was like, this is it. Like, I know it's over. And I called and I called and I called and I couldn't get through. So I called our now head of our family office who'd been with him for years and she answered, and she can tell you this, like, this is validated. I'm not fabricating this in any way. And I said, is he alive? And she said, I'm following an ambulance. I swear on everything, this is the story. So little thing, this is not little, but things like this started happening to me over the years. And so I started to kind of like tap into it. And then I've read like kind of books on it and stuff. And I just started believing in something bigger, like not religion, not not anything really, but just something. And just that like sense of something bigger has given me extreme peace in my day-to-day existence. I'm able to like get through the day without, you know, stressing to the same levels or being anxious to the same levels. And I kind of just like trust the universe now. I I don't even know what I'm talking about. I know I sound like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like an Instagram spiritual influencer, but but sometimes you have to pay attention to there are signs that you can pay attention to that yeah. there's something out there that you can tap into. And I think yeah. that you can look for signs that, you know, everyone's against you and that everyone's talking about you and no one's supporting yeah. you and your world isn't gonna, you know, work out the way you want it to, or you can look for signs that you're connected to something bigger. And yep. that you can put positivity into the world and 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 get something back. I actually back. don't think you can get away with not tapping into that at some point in life. Like it catches up with you. you. Like to. I'm it connecting does. with it at this point in my life. And 
it is life-changing. Like we talk about this all the time on our podcast about connecting to something greater than yourself. Like you have to, and it's gonna, you're gonna have to do it at some point. And the earlier, the better, you know, like. Yeah, no, you have to. I want to get back though to something we were talking about before, just because I think it's important. I think like how you were saying, look, I don't want to glamorize how I was living my life, Mm -hmm. like 24 hours working, 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 working. Like, let's not glamorize that. I think we have a lot of male CEOs who glamorize it, who make us feel like if we're not sleeping on the office floor, Mm -hmm. I can function on four hours of sleep. If we're not, then you're not. And you start going like, oh my God, like, okay, like I'm not going to be successful. I'm not, if I don't live like that. And I, I hate it. I hate it when we hear the Elon Musks of the world who I I actually have a lot of respect for Elon. I know he's a polarizing character. I have a lot of respect for him, but it drives me crazy when we when I hear these men, always men, mm-hmm. glamorizing that lifestyle, and it drives me nuts. So I love that you said no. Let's not glamorize it. Let's glamorize. No, no, no. I agree with you. No, no, no. Keep going. I just I'm saying like no. I agree. It's it's not right. Like like there I is a way to prioritize your mental cool, health and to take care of yourself and still build a successful business. Let's like, start glamorizing getting 9 hours of sleep cuz I really <laughs> am into that. Please, like that's all I want is <gasps> 9 hours. Like, I've I always been I've always night, been like, I've always been embarrassed of um of what time I wake up in the morning. I wake up at 8 a.m. Sometimes I do a 7.30, but honestly, I'm more tired when I wake up at 7.30. I wake up at 8. I yeah, know but you're I, also I know like writing at 1 in the morning. So you No, know, I'm you... not. I know I don't have kids yet. I know that'll change, but I get everything done that I need to get done by waking up at 8 a.m. because my life starts at 9, and I, I, I'm i going to not be ashamed of it right, Can I get her fucking morning routine, please? I just want to get... Okay. Just let's quickly... Just give it to me quick. Um, okay, let's see. Well, we're sleep training my three-year-old right now, so he wakes up at like 6. And I like to be there. I want them to see me in the morning, most mornings, right? Unless like, you know, special circumstances. So I'm up, like I'm out out of bed, probably six. Um, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with sleeping till eight. If I could, I would, don't get me wrong. Like I, <laughs> I don't think like everyone needs to be awake by six. And by the way, I, all due respect, whoever out there wakes up before their kids do to work out, like, I love you. I don't know how you do that more power to you, but never in my life am I going to do that. No, like, me neither. It's just so intense. Um, I don't know. I, 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 but by the way, mad respect, like maybe I'll turn into like a fitness person one day and I'll start doing that. So I don't want to hold myself against it, but wake up kid zone. And then the day starts at, um, you know, I dropped Bobby off at preschool at eight fifteen, and then had a call at eight fifteen, literally. So I just multitask in the morning a little bit, but I try to be with kids and then I don't really get ready. Um, I'm not like a big get ready type of gal. By the way, Erin, I owe you a huge thank you. Once I was going to an event and you were at my house and I said, guys, be honest. Do I look okay? Because I don't know anything about makeup or fashion or beauty and I have no idea. And I'm really nervous. I'm scared where this is going. And you said, you look beautiful, but you're whatever eyebrow um like gel you're using is too dark for your hair and i was using the glossier boy brow in like the color brown and my hair is too light for that so i immediately seized doing that and i see a clear difference in photos post that moment pre that moment i owe you listen a, a brow can make or break you but okay? also a brow but is also, very important it's an important message as, here guys as a girlfriend yes. to someone you are not doing anyone a service or a favor by saying, yeah, I'm you look great. That. Head on out there with those dark ass eyebrows. Like that's not, like, what are you doing? That's not I helping anyone. 
But Sarah, to your point, eyebrows are everything. So Michael's mom was my college professor. Oh yeah, that's and right. She literally identified me five years later because of my eyebrows, she said. So our wedding speech, she got up and she said, Whitney, we couldn't be happier. I've got one thing to say to you. Great brows. And she's not there. And I'm telling you, the power of a brow. The right? brow is so... Listen, I like do... In my morning routine, I don't have any makeup on, but I do have brow pencil. Like yeah, You're obsessed with eyebrows. I'm obsessed because so it frames the face. And I do taupe. My color's taupe because Ooh, I like that. that's what I need. Um, what but brand? it changes your I face. Kosas. The Kosas. Yes, the Kosas. And they are not sponsoring this podcast, even though they really should. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Kosas Taupe brow pencil makes my face like you can really see a difference when I have it on and when I don't. Okay, okay let's move Wait, on from your eyebrows. No, so we're not done with the morning routine. So you, then you're just no, she is done. She are you going into the good. office or are you not going to the office? Like where? Um, so the office, I am like in between different places. Um, and when I do go to the office, we've been spending a lot of time going back and forth to our London office. That's where a lot of our team are. We went really remote during COVID. So it's been this weird hybrid thing. But what I love about it is when we're away from each other, like we can all just like get our stuff done. And then when we're together, it's super intense, like no open iPads, like no phone, like we're together. And I think when you don't have that time together, it's hard. It gets diluted, right? So um, I kind of like the hybrid thing. Honestly, sometimes for me, I feel like this doing this podcast is a really great window of my day where I'm not on my phone yeah. and I'm having a real conversation with someone. And you yeah. have to, you have to look at each other and you can't be distracted. And it's Isn't like, that amazing? The power of just like undivided attention. It's yeah. so good for you. It feels good for me. And Sarah's on her phone a lot. She was just texting, I think. What were you looking at? I wasn't texting. <laughs> I, sometimes I have to look because Allison writes us and she's like, yo, like get, get true, the question. True, true, true. Do we own Athletic Greens at this point? I think we do. No, unfortunately we don't. And I think in our minds, we're the ones like keeping the lights on at this company, but the reality is it's a multi-billion dollar company. So, and what's crazy about it- I don't think they it, even know we're alive. They honestly. don't know we're alive. But what's crazy but, about it is- they have one skew. Okay. This is not a company that has like different vitamins and different powders. One skew. It is one powder. And that is because it's so amazing. It works. Everyone sees the results. They don't even need to come out with anything else. They just have this one perfect powder. Okay, guys, in one scoop, first thing in the morning, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. That includes a multivitamin, a multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and even more than that in one serving. You wake up, put that scoop, one scoop in water, you're good. You're done for the day. Um, Okay. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash foster today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash foster to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. We love things that are science-backed. Science-backed equals results. So we found Noom before the 
before the podcast. We were, yeah, Noom. we were aware of Noom before because we were a friend aware. of ours went, uh, was using it. And we were and like, what is going on with you? You've never looked better. You've mm-hmm. never seemed like you're more, like you have more energy. He lost a lot of weight. He lost a lot of weight, but he just, and, and he by was like, way, I feel, he's like, I've never had more energy, but we didn't even realize he had any weight to lose. And by he like, just he's, never even, he's never gone back. Like it sticks. So Noom is a different way, okay? They attack it from a different way. And it's all about, it's like a, it's a cognitive approach. It changes your relationship to food. Mm-hmm. It changes- the way you think about food. The way you think about food. Because listen, we're, a lot of us, we, we eat in an unhealthy way in the sense that we eat emotionally or we eat when we're frustrated or upset or anxiety or through a breakup. Like, you know, um, food can be used as a distraction. And we, and some people feel like their relationship with food is not something that they can control. Well, we don't realize how bad our habits are. Like we really do have unhealthy habits. I've, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. And Noom, I think helps you without being heavy handed. Mm-hmm. It's not like forcing you to be on some crazy restricting situation. Like you can fully still live your life, go to your restaurants, mm-hmm. eat what you want to eat. It just holds you accountable. Yeah, it teaches and you it, to it think gives about you it the power, by the way. It teaches you to think about it differently. So stay focused on what's most important to you with Noom Weight's psychology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash foster. That is N-O-O-M dot com slash foster to sign up for your trial today and check out Noom's first ever book, The Noom Mindset, a deep dive into the psychology of behavior change available to buy now wherever books are sold. Here's some questions that people have sent in. I mean, some of these are a little bit broad, so it's a little bit of a tough one, but you know, let's keep it, let's keep it moving a little bit. What's on your 2023 vision board? I mean, that might be personal, but is there something you can share? Yeah, from give it? us some personal <laughs> juice. Okay. Um, well, vision board for 2023 Bumble Land is all about kind connections. So how do we actually take our focus of engineering a kinder digital space to the next level? That's how do we make that? Um, you know, really help people connect on a way that makes them feel confident and safe and secure and really reversing a lot of these like deep rooted insecurities that we have when we date, when we find friends um, and really trying to extrapolate the psychology of it and then build product functionality out of that. And so we've got this like incredible vision board of how do we go and really crusade to build the best woman experience on the internet, not even just dating, but more broadly, like how do we have your back and make you feel safe? And if something bad happens, let's own it, right? I'm not sitting here pretending Bumble is the safest place and nothing can go wrong, but when it does go wrong, how do you deal with it? How do you confront it? How do you be um, self-reflective and just become better? So that's the, the vision board for Bumble. On a personal level, I, you know, it's just really all about um, understanding we only have so much energy and we only have so much time in a day. So really trying to spend less time giving energy and attention to things that are not giving energy and attention back. I have this like deep rooted, long lasting people pleaser issue. Um, so I'm just like always, how do I make sure someone knows that like I care about them or how do I know, how do I make sure someone feels, you know, that, you know, what can I do? What can I do? How can I be there for every single person on the planet? And this year is the year I let go of things that are not really serving my soul, right? Um, things that are not, you know, really genuinely 
elevating the energy that we exist in every day, right? I know I'm starting to sound woo-woo, but you get what I'm saying. It's like, I just want to surround myself with um, people that will, you know, push push me forward and and feed feed the, you know, feed the good parts. Did and you feed like, did you feel like a shift around you? Like, I, I can't imagine. And I mean, I think it would be cool if you gave some sort of insight into like, just so the audience understands, Whitney is 33 years old. She became, no, it's disgusting. No, actually. it's like, it's ridiculous. Okay. She became a multi billionaire at like 31 years old when her company, I exaggeration. Okay, well, whatever. I don't think I've ever been a multi-billionaire. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. I mean, okay. Well, we can all like look it up. It's public record. <laughs> but like, how did, do you feel like people really changed around you? Like, did mm. you feel like family members coming across, like friends changing all of a sudden that one friend who kind of like didn't really give you the time of day is now like inviting you places. Like, what does that feel like? Like we have people, like we have on a very much smaller scale, talk about like the shift in people when good things happen, right? Or whatever. Like, did you feel like a positive, a negative? Like walk us through that because we've never really had anyone as successful as yourself. Well, we have, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um. Well, first of all, I don't know if I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that because- I think I'm the type of person that assumes positive intent no matter what. Like someone could literally be at my house to break and I'd be like, hey, do you want to come and like have a cookie? Like mm-hmm. I have no you are like that. Of yeah. when someone likes me for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, because I think it comes back to this deep insecurity that I still possess that I am not good enough or I'm not deserving of that type of attention where I wouldn't even assume someone wants something from me because I'm like, what is there to want? That's such an ingrained childhood thing that I'm still trying to break out of that I, I, I'm not entirely sure I even recognize my power because when people describe it, I'm like, who are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, who are we talking about the same person? So I do you think that's that, a good thing? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Cause in some ways I, I would say probably, it's kind of ignorance I mean, is bliss, right? Like you don't, they probably say it's a bad thing, but like you guys came to my 30th birthday. Those, you didn't know who anyone was. Cause those are all of my friends from like high school, college, post-college. I am not orbiting in this like competitive oh, I'm now at this level in work. I only want to hang out with people at this level and where I don't care. Like, no, you IPO'd and like went to an island and nobody could find you. You were like, I'm going to just work from an island. Like you were like not trying to go to parties. And I even called you. I was like, want to go to the Vanity Fair party? And you were like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love you. I'll go anywhere you want. I'll go anywhere with you. But, um, I I don't know. I, I think I've just surrounded myself. I married someone that is so not that way. You married someone I'm, great, someone very fun. Yeah, and he's just a good guy. Like he doesn't care if you are literally the master of the universe and on every magazine cover or if you are um like the, the wedding best. photographer. He will have fun with the wedding photographer. It's true. He is Anyone. Yeah. And I love that about him. So I lean into his energy which is just like surround yourself with good humans. It doesn't matter who they are what they've achieved. If they're the most impressive person on paper, but they're bad vibes, like get me away. Mm. Like I don't want anything to do with it. And so I try to just stay there. You don't feel, you, you didn't, you didn't feel like a shift when, like when you IPO'd. 
I mean, listen, I, I have people that would have never acknowledged me three years ago that invite me to stuff or call me or text me. And I, I just don't enter. Here's my favorite quote of 2023. What you water grows. So it's like, I don't even give energy to that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's like not even worth it. Um, wait, can you just really fast, I know we have a million questions, but can you give like a, the very short version of how you and Michael met? Because people will die over this story. It's like the best story ever. Okay, I'm going to pee quickly, but I'm listening. Okay, because you already know the story. Can you please tell the audience about meeting Michael? Um, okay, so I was maybe at like the lowest point in my, up to that point of my life. Um, I was going through like a pretty toxic end of a breakup. And I was also having challenges in my kind of professional realm. Um, and I was just not okay. I was really sad. I was super insecure. I felt defeated. I just felt, I just felt, you know, just really low. And I think every woman or, and you know, it's not even a woman thing, any gender listening to this, like when you're at the end of a breakup, but you're still not okay. It's like, it's such a bad, um, feeling. It's such a dark space to be in. You just feel so sad. And I think, um, I was not looking to meet anyone. Absolutely not. Um, that was the last thing I was looking for. And I sat down at a hotel lobby with friends and this guy walked in with cowboy boots on and ski pants. Cause we were in Colorado and he literally wedged himself in between me and our um, really close friend who became the godfather to our um, firstborn eventually, years later. Um, and he looked at me and he said, I hear you've got a dot com. A dot and I com? Was like, I was like, what's a dot com? It's 2013. And he was like this cowboy with these crazy, insane blue eyes and this like, unbelievable energy. And I was like, who is this guy? So anyway, fast forward to the next day, I ran into him on the ski hill and he kind of pretended he didn't know how to ski, but he was like, I don't know. I'm kind of just here to hang out. He's like, but do you want to teach me how to ski? And I had been raised in Utah. So like, you know, my dad signed me up for like ski racing team as a kid and all that stuff. So I knew how to ski. And, um, he's claiming guys for the people listening, he's claiming, he told me that he was like, can you teach me how to ski? Like, I really don't yeah. know how to ski. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm from East Texas. I don't know how to ski. I'm only here for like, whatever I came here for. And I kind of thought it was a little like cheesy. It was like, who comes to Aspen just hang out? What a loser. <laughs> um, so I rode up the gondola with him and I got off the gondola and I went as fast as I could thinking I just like smoked this random, you know, non-skier and he passed me backwards. And he <laughs> oh my was God. the most beautiful, unbelievable skier I had ever seen in my life. To this day, everyone is just like, wow, he's a gorgeous skier. And we got to the bottom of the hill. He clicked my skis up, picked them up, handed them to our friend Sammy and said, y'all have a good day. <laughs> and I was just like, what just happened? It just, he, he literally flipped my world around backwards. Like the ski, like just the way he turned around backwards on the ski is like, he turned my world backwards. And we have never, like, we started talking every day. And ever since then, like, we've just never, we've just never parted ways. He's so, he's so cute. He's he's so so fun. And he's so so obsessed with Whitney. So obsessed with you. And, and most importantly, like, you know, you've changed your world and your life has changed a lot since that day. And 
Yeah. Sorry, I ate almonds. I'm not like crying. And it was like, are you welling up over there? I was choking. <clears throat> but I'm always impressed to see as you grew in your career bigger and bigger, that can be really hard for a guy. And when you guys go into a room, I mean, anyone who knows Michael is really excited to see Michael. But if you don't know Michael, it's the Whitney show, right? You walk into a room and he's Whitney's husband. People don't know necessarily in that room how his, successful he actually exactly, is. His accomplishments and how amazing his personality is and how well he does in his life. And that can be really hard for a guy. And it doesn't seem like it's hard no, for he him. loves it. At all. It's his favorite thing ever. Literally. Ever. He loves it. He's like, honestly, I just want to see you soar. I want to see you the happiest, most productive, most successful person I've ever known. He's like, that's what this is. No, all he about. wears but like you know, bumble headbands. He, he was his mother, who was the most empowering woman ever. I actually gave the commencement speech at SMU where I went to school. And she was like my whole speech because she had been my professor there. You know, she's a very out, very proud, really remarkably strong woman. And she raised Michael with that mindset and so you know he but she's um, a wait, you you said she's out she's she's she's, oh, yeah. she's a lesbian yeah. yes michael's raised she's by two wife. women wasn't her, he? i mean her and her wife are the most amazing yeah. they're the best grandmas they are the sweetest most cool fun i mean i am extremely fortunate to have them in my life but you know it's a testament to um the way you raise boys in this mm. world too right and so i think about it every day i have two little boys and it matters because that was by design. Him wanting a woman that was powerful and he's not threatened by it. He's excited by it, right? And I think if we could reverse that in society, you might just solve a big chunk of our problems. Of course, because, because as women, we want to be liked by guys and we're scared to outshine them. We're scared to be bigger than them. We're scared like, oh shit, if I'm too big or too successful or too powerful, then they're going to feel small and then they won't want to be around me. Exactly. But what have we told boys and men? You have to be the provider. You have to be the hunter. You have to keep them safe. It's your job. It's your job. Show up. No pressure or anything, yeah, no but pressure. it's on you. You know, it's on you. And so these, you know, these, these boys or men, like they might be insecure. They might be shy. They might be timid. They might be traumatized from things in their life. And all of a sudden, they're just supposed to be like our keepers. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? And so you just have this super broken thing. And I really think this is the root of toxic internet and toxic relationships is that men are expected to go first and women are expected to play hard to get. So you have a man chasing a woman. We're talking about heterosexual relationships and you have a man chasing a woman. The woman is meant to run the opposite direction. So this happens to that guy enough. And then you hide him behind a profile screen with no accountability. What do you think he's going to do? This is where that toxicity, the harassment, the abuse starts. And this is where women making the first move was supposed to break that cycle. That was the whole intention behind mm -hmm. it. Listen, I've said this before that when we learn sexuality in middle school, there is a protocol of exactly how it's supposed to go down. And a guy is supposed to try to hook up with you. You're a few, supposed to like a few resist. different times and you have to say no a couple times. Now, yeah. not no, like I'm scared of being abused. No, but no, like, no, I'm not ready. Like push his hand away a few times. If you don't do that, if you don't say no a couple times and say you're not Even ready. If you want to say yes. You have to say no a couple times or else you are a slut because you wanted it. And that is disgusting for a girl to want it. And yeah. that has cascaded into our adult sexual relationships where consent is confusing. 
consent is confusing because we learned how to be sexual on this this premise that we we kind of resist a little bit and then the guy pushes past our resistance to get to the next step. So consent is is starts at such a young age where we we I mean the generation now like your daughter's age I think are going to be very different about this. I don't think that they're going to have those same blurry lines. But our generation it was all blurry for all of us. Yeah. No, for sure. And your point is so, so important. Like I even just saw this parenting thing that said when your child, like if somebody, a caregiver or a family member is like tickling and roughhousing or playing with a kid, like a toddler, the minute they say no, stop because no means no. And I think if you look back to us being little girls, like, don't you remember like um, whoever, a, a family member or a friend or a babysitter, like roughhousing or playing or tickling or whatever these things are they do when these kids are little because they're cute or whatever, you'd say no. And like people would keep going. And so we have to, we have to find a way to create this, like no means no, no doesn't mean no, no, no. Yes. No, doesn't mean no, no, maybe then yes. Like your point is so important. And I do think that this gets very conflated on dating apps. Like maybe there are the men out there that truly believe that's the right way. And a woman says no. And then that, you know, opens up this bridge to go again. And this is the stuff we're trying to reverse engineer every day. This is what we have to think through because this is pretty toxic. And people are like, oh, it's a dating app. I'm like, really find something that's more foundational to human existence. No, seriously. What Outside of our relationships, aside from food, shelter, and water, what is more foundational to the human existence than a relationship? And so if you're eating toxic food all day or drinking toxic water, you're going to get sick. Well, if you're in toxic relationships all day, you're going to get sick. So this is part of like your health routine. I mean, you guys love medical medium and all those people. Like they'll even tell you your relationships are a huge component of your overall health. Of course. Of your cellular health. Okay, Whitney, do you ever get used to, because I don't, like when we were front-facing working for you, people would write us all the time and it would just feel like so overwhelming when someone writes you going, I am now engaged to my wife or my husband because you introduced me to this app and my life has changed. Like when that would happen to us on such a small scale, it felt so unreal. We, still, we never we, did our thing where we were going to marry people. Remember, we want to officiate bumble oh, wedding. But I should do that. <laughs> Please, will you do, will you please, can we please in 2023, will, will you officiate a bumble yes, wedding? Yes, 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 yes. I want to do okay. that. But do you ever. I feel like you would be so good at it. I don't even need Sarah. I'll just do it by yeah. myself. By the way, Erin is like a crazy officiator. I've she, officiated I one. Wedding. Yeah, but it was like very powerful. <laughs> but what does it feel like? I mean, how crazy is that? That people every goddamn day write you, I'm sure, telling you like, this child now would never exist if it was not for your app. Like, how crazy is that? I love it. I mean, I love it. I just, I love that we can be a small part of that, right? I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like that's what it's all about. It's, it's kind of like a big part of it, but yeah. But I have to say, for every good story I hear and the weight that carries in, in my heart, every bad story carries double weight, right? right? And that just pushes me. Like, I do hear bad stories. I do. Um, And by the way, it's hard for tech, leaders to admit that, but I'll raise my hand because it doesn't get better if you don't admit it. That is really hard for me. You know, it motivates me and inspires me. I try to put myself in their shoes. I'm like, we got to go build a feature to fix this. This can never happen again. So I will say it's both the beautiful stories and 
the not so beautiful stories that do push us forward and progress this entire thing. Hey, can I just say one little story that's very, very, I swear it'll be short, but I think it's just sort of a little bit impactful because you are this larger than life person that women probably look to and are like, oh my God, like it must be so amazing and so easy. And, and, and everyone, she must be so, you know, everyone's impressed with Whitney and where she's at in her life. And you told us this really funny story that I don't know if you mind me telling, but I think I'm sure you don't. I think She'll you've said it before. probably edit it out, but yeah. Is that <laughs> when you got your Forbes cover that you called your dad and <laughs> said, oh my God, dad, I'm on the cover of Forbes. Like, how cool is that? And he said, eh, it'd be cooler if you were on the cover of the like Salt Lake City Jewish Times or something. Yeah, like he said, he was like, oh, mazel, mazel. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, my... um." Um, I can't remember what the guy's name is at this point, but like his friend in the community's son had been on the cover of like the local, like some small neighborhood in Salt Lake City, very like Jewish. I think it was actually like a Jewish oriented little local magazine. He's like, you know, so-and-so's son, Donnie or whatever his name is on the cover of this. And I was like, cool, cool. (laughs) Because Well, maybe next time. Because he said to you, he said to you, my friends don't read for Yeah, this is what my friends are. My friends read the local thing and that his friend's son was in. I was like, dad, like this is United States Forbes, like (sighs) real Forbes. This is like actually like, like Forbes magazine. Mm -hmm. And he was obviously, he was excited and stuff, but he was like, yeah, like he's just, this is so him. Like you could tell him you had gone to space and he'd be like, yeah, someone down the corner. He's like, call me when you get the Salt Lake City Jewish Times. Call me when you get that cover. But it's just a good reminder that like it gives you perspective that for him, he wants to impress his friends with the magazine his friends read. His friends don't read Forbes. And so it's like not as as exciting. Again, a motivator to always go to that next level. I think (laughs) I was always like, well, that didn't do it. Like, (laughs) what else is there? And by the way, like, it's not the magazine covers, right? It's like, those magazine covers, they're they're cool when they happen, but to all the founders you were saying, like that are anchored on how do I get a, a Forbes cover, you know, it's just it's not that like the most fulfilling stuff is the thing we were just talking about, like the stories, the bumble babies, the that stuff is really cool. And by the way, so you were we earlier we were talking about some of the woo-woo stuff. Some of those stories that I've had are really wild. Like me being in a day where I thought, you know, the world was ending or I was having like a really tough time, someone would appear in some way, shape or form that day. And they would tell me a bumble story that would like bring me to my knees. Like it would be just profound, you know, um, their spouse had passed away tragically and they thought their life was over and, they read about me in some magazine somewhere and decided to download Bumble and met the love of their life and it saved them. And it's like, all of those stories have saved me. Does that make sense? Like, there were so many times I was done or I was defeated or I was like, this is over. But it was the energy of these people out there, like a byproduct of this company that I was involved with that kind of fed me and like built me back up. So it's, it's a really beautiful full circle, um, you know, way of looking at it. And again, it's a way of looking at it back to your story of like, I'm looking at the window, you're looking at the door. You know, some people would ignore all of this and be like, okay, whatever. But I choose to see the magic in it all, right? I choose to see the, the 
like the intangible, beautiful energy in these things and like see everything as a sign. Everything is a stepping stone. Everything is like a reason behind, uh, you know, things happening for like a certain um, reason. We also need to like reframe and prioritize this whole generation of widows and like people like our mom and who are so afraid to get on a dating app and who think like, oh, I can't even figure out technology. And there's just this like, this like open wind door where all these incredible people are. Oh my God. Who, there's so many pages of th- questions. I know there's so many I'm pages of questions, but we're, just, we're never going to get to them. It's fine. But like, like maybe our moms should launch an app inside of Bumble Inc for empty nesters. No, it and needs like, to be yes. its own. Whitney, it needs to be its own place. There's just Bumble. Like it needs to be Bumble backed and operated and powered by Bumble. But like, <laughs> Let's get her and her friends and my mom and my mom's friends to come together and they can be the launching team for this. Mm, okay, you know what? We'll talk offline about something because we have an idea that we can do. Okay, It, it has to happen because there's too many right. lonelies in that age group. Okay, um, uh, Whitney. Oh my God, this is, a, this is a very light, very fast question, okay? okay? What kind of main photo has the most success rate on Bumble? Wow. Ooh, everyone's different, but definitely not a photo with multiple people that confuses people. So don't do a group shot. Um, Something actually, this is crazy. People don't realize good quality is actually super important. So like a, um, almost like a professional level quality, good pixelation that actually matters a lot. So even if you don't think like it paints the right background or you don't love what it's telling, if it's just like a high quality photo, it signals to people that you're real and that like you're invested in this and that you're current. I think there's like a psychological concern when someone has like a, a poor pixelated photo that they're not taking this seriously or like they don't really care. They don't really have a photo. Of or they don't look like that anymore. Right. So I think, you know, um, really uh, a good quality photo matters. So even if that means investing in like grabbing a professional pic of yourself, by the way, you'll never regret having a photo of you 20 years from now out where you are today. So mm-hmm. many people underestimate that. Like they're like, well, I'm not 20 anymore or I'm not this. Like, and you are 80 when you were 60, you were looking perfect and amazing. Like it's always relative mm-hmm. to where you're at. Like, Who so said that? Like Diane that von Furstenberg or something? Like, don't you ever look at a picture of you when you're 30 going, oh, I look so old. Cause honey, when you're 40, you're going to look back at being 30 mm-hmm. going like, I would do anything for that. And so on and so on when you're 40, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's right. So yeah, just like, really, you should problem? take advantage of this moment and how amazing you are and how good you look and how great you feel. And basically like lean into it and make sure that you are capturing it and then put your best face forward. And mm-hmm. so, um, also showing who you are, like if you are an avid pickleball person or you love some activity like showcase yourself because it explains more about who you are beyond just a profile Mm -hmm. photo um what is a good bumble pickup line um use the person's name try to use the person's name um and try to be like even if you just want to be like hey how's it going today you know sarah um Mm -hmm. or aaron like there is something about using a person's name that really personalizes it and makes it. And it's um, kind of hot. 
when people call me by my name, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, someone's oh, paying okay. attention. Yeah. Someone, that's a really good, that's a really yeah, good tip. Good, very good advice. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I know everyone hates this question. We just asked Kate this. She was, she oh, did God. it last week. I know, but I, I love it. I think it says a lot about a person. I'm sorry. You're having a dinner party. Okay. Oh, I really hate this. I, I like it. I think it's, it's so much pressure. No, just like you're having a dinner party. You can invite whoever you want. Like what was, and like, you can't say Aaron and I, even though I know we'd be there, but like what, yeah. What is your dinner? Like who, who are you having there? I'm really not having lots of dinner parties because I'm such a germaphobe. (laughs) I have a really hard time with shoes coming to my house. (laughs) Okay. You're having a zoom. Okay. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. It was not a joke, but okay. If I'm having a dinner party, who do I want to be there? Yeah. Um, uh, maybe people have conflicting, um, opinions and viewpoints because it's easy to like sit together with people that agree with everything and are on the same page. That's like fun and enjoyable, but I don't know how much it challenges you. So I actually would be really fascinated. This is going to sound really counterintuitive, but I would love to have a dinner party with people that think really different from me. Mm, So Elon Musk, for example. I think he has a different opinion on moderation and speech and like how we treat each other on the internet. I think he leans very far into like, everyone should be able to say whatever they want. Like this is a free place. Like no at your own risk. And I really lean more into, we don't let people abuse each other in the street or walk around naked in the street without taking them to jail. We don't let people drive down the road without a license plate and without a driver's license. Like, why do we let the same people do all of those things on the internet when they have quicker and more scaled access to people behind walls? It's actually arguably more dangerous because in the street, you can run in your house and lock your door. Where's your house with the locked door online? So I would love to have dinner with people that just genuinely have different ideologies on these topics. And I don't want to argue with them. I don't want to fight with them, but I want to have a healthy debate. I do think this is something that's super missing from society today. People, in my opinion, have an unwillingness to have an empathetic and respectful conversation about different opinions. I feel like you just jump straight to like canceling the person or like shunning them or saying like, get out of my way. And there's this opportunity to bridge um, gaps on topics. I think we could actually find a lot of um, middle ground on on topics if we'd be willing to have thoughtful debates um, that are constructive. I mean, there's debate teams out there. There's like an Oxford debate team where you have to follow guidelines and you have a set amount of time. And if we could do that on these different topics, I think you could have a really interesting dinner It's so party. true. So, and so much good can come from it. It's not good TV or good listening or good growth when you're listening to a roundtable or watching a roundtable where everyone's just agreeing with each other. Like, there is no growth well, from that. That's why I like watching Bill Maher because he always has a Republican on there that feels differently than he does on, this, on the topic. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that's the way I would personally want to have a dinner party. Okay, that's great. Um, okay, so I, I mean, we've covered... Okay, we have covered oh, a lot Elon, of this. Elon, call me if you listen to yeah, seriously. If you listen to this podcast. Yeah, I think I, he probably listens to this podcast. I think he does. All right. right? So yeah. Give so him my he'll, he'll just yeah. Okay. Um, I know we start. We talked a lot about starting over, but this podcast, like we do, it is a theme, and so many women are like 
in that place, right? Where they went to school for interior design and they've been doing it, but they're not fulfilled. They're not happy. And they really do want to make a shift, but they do not know how. And you more than anybody can just give a little bit of insight into the best way to do that. Well, time is going to go on regardless. So you'll never have a short amount of time away from what you wish you weren't doing than like right here, right now. Waiting another week or another month or another year, you're just going to have another week, another month or another year of disdain for what you're doing. So if you know in your heart, like you're done and you've given it a fair shot and you're ready for something else, like there's, this is so cheesy, but there's no time like now, right? So I think time is going to go on no matter what. And we all have such a small amount of it on earth. Like we all have such an unpromised small amount of time. Why waste one more minute doing something that you're not deeply in love with? That's my I love that. Just do it right now. Like stop having the conversation, stop analyzing. I mean, of course you have to do like, you know, your homework and due diligence before leaving a situation. But I love that. Like time is of the essence. You're probably not going to feel any different a year from now. Do it now. I love also that you, even though you've accomplished all that you've accomplished, I know you still deal with imposter syndrome. I know you still deal with that. And a lot of women, you guys saying, remember, I've been saying, I want to come on your podcast for so long. And I, in my heart, I was like, they just don't want me on there. I'm not, I'm like, not, I'm not like big enough for them, their podcast. Do you not see my text? Erin and I were like, she actually thinks we like, didn't, I feel like just so you know, when we started this podcast, I pretty much can remember, I can probably dig deep into the text. We asked you to do it. You're like, I'm IPOing or whatever it was, but it's so interesting. You us. That was your, you really did think that, I think. Yeah, when like, you wrote back, it was like, oh wait, you, wa- really you actually want to schedule like, this? I really did mean that I couldn't do it right then. It wasn't like a push you off thing. Of course. No, and- but then- when we said, okay, we want to schedule you for this month, you're like, oh, I thought you were just pushing me off and didn't actually want me to come on. And so it's a great example of how that was what you were thinking in your mind. And for us, like, we're so unorganized. We just like, didn't set this up in time. I don't know. We like, yeah. This is a good example and a good lesson actually for everyone and all their relationships, all their friendships. Assumption is truly an unspoken evil. Like, there are so many situations in my life that had I just not assumed something, things would be different. An opportunity would not have been lost. A friendship would have been saved. Who knows? So I do think like, even just speaking your worry feels scary, but like me texting you guys being like, do you just not want me on it? Like that was my genuine insecurity, but I could have just never said that to you. And I could have just never come on. And I could have just lived in that sense of like, oh, they don't like me zone, which is how so many of us live. Like we get offended. Someone doesn't text us back. We get offended. Someone didn't come to our thing. And we're just like, we think the worst. And it's almost a defense mechanism, I think, to protect ourselves. It's like, we have to like you know, go to the worst case scenario. Um, But it's a great lesson. And just like, if you're insecure about something or you feel like someone's ignoring you or someone's rejecting you, like maybe ask them. Well, Erin and I always talk about being more direct. Like, like it was just my birthday. And there was one person where like, it really hurt me that they didn't write me on my birthday. And like, the old me would have just been like, fuck that person. Like, I'm going to just ice that person and blah, blah. And I wrote the person. Oh, I didn't know And I was like- I really hurt my feelings that you just didn't 
like acknowledge me at all on my birthday. And then that person responded, like explaining what had happened to them that day and felt horrible. And I think we're closer now just from literally me. I'm impressed you did that. Being direct. But I think in, there's so many, like, there's so many um, times in my life where if I had have just not assumed, Ron Meyer always said, assumption is the mother of all fuck ups, that it truly can put It makes an ass out of you and me. me. Yeah. And, I'm like, Did I that right? <laughs> and it's like, if you had of anyways, there's just, there's so many opportunities where we all need to think back to this mm-hmm. moment right here. And, and when I say be direct, don't be direct, like aggressively be direct being vulnerable. No, like I just vulnerability, I learned, vulnerable directness, I think is such an asset. I learned that I feel a lot safer in my friendships with people who are direct because I don't have to wonder if they're mad at me mm. because I know that they would tell me if they were mad at me. And some people, it, listen, it's scary to call someone and be like, yeah, you really fucking annoyed me when you did that thing. Like it is really scary to say it yeah. really annoys me that you did this or it hurt my feelings. You did that. But being direct in your friendships, you can have the little argument, get it out of the way, and then you feel stress-free. But being in a friendship with someone who's too scared to be direct with you, like I was with you about your eyebrows, you know, (laughs) then you have to wonder, do I look crazy with my makeup because my friend's not going to tell me the truth? Or is that person mad at me? Like. And so being direct is really hard, but it's it's it is really freeing. And I'm I'm still working on it. I'm not there yet. It is tricky. Did you see that meme the other day? It was the Alice in Wonderland, the cat looking down from the tree and Alice was at the bottom of the tree and the cat said, you're all mad here. And Alice looks up and it says, at me? <laughs> this is this is how so many of us That's live. Really we always funny. think we take things so personally, so personally, like the birthday thing, for example, I would have taken that so personally as well. But in reality, I mean, gosh, that person could have had some like crazy situation. And it's, it's usually not us. It's usually about the other person. And I think it's easy for us to get lost in that. So, well, listen, Whitney, we, we are so grateful you came on this podcast podcast. We were never blowing you off in any way. Uh, And we're, we are so incredibly proud of having worked together and the opportunity that you gave us. And it sent us down a path professionally that will always lead back to you. And that has changed our lives forever. And we um, are so grateful for your friendship and for all the lessons that you've always taught us and continue to and know that people are going to be inspired by this podcast. So thank you. Oh, well, I really, truly love you both. And thank you both just the best. I've already told you that a thousand times and it's annoying how pretty you both are too, just so you know. We are filtered um, here. We I, are I really do appreciate you having me. And I think this is the beginning of us doing a lot more things together. We've got like the mom app. We've got, well, let's not give it all away. We don't want anybody else to build it. Well, I know that's true. We're going to, we'll go and trademark everything. One thing I do need to do, I have to give a shout out to um, one of my best, best friends in the wide world. She loves your podcast and she listens to every episode and she has been sending me every episode being like, gosh, I just love them. I love this podcast. She like the medical medium one. She was all into all of it. So um, now I'm going to hold her accountable that she listened to the very end of this. And I'm just going to say hi, Danny love. And I love you. Hi, That's Danny. Literally Danny, thank you for support. Danny love. Danny. Wait, do we know Danny love? You probably met her at my birthday. She's literally the world's kindest, most beautiful human ever. So anyone that meets her remembers her. So you probably would remember her if I showed you a photo. Okay, she well, was the weather girl in LA for so long. So you definitely recognize Okay, well, her. we'll know if she listened to the whole episode. Because yeah, if she calls She's you... She's going to text me. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. 
We appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you, I love Whitney. you guys, and I'll see you very soon. Love you. Love you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. If you like this podcast, leave a rating and review. This podcast is executive produced by... Can you not use that voice? I'm sorry, I'm trying to sound... Yeah, but you don't need to make it sexy. This podcast is executive produced by... Just be, can you, do you have a normal voice? Yeah. Aaron Foster, Sarah Foster, and Allison Bresnick. Okay, I'll take over. Our, Our associate, associate producer is Montana McBurney. Our audio engineer is Josh Windish. This show is hosted by Simplecast. See, that didn't sound nice. That sounded great.